evening, everybody, and welcome to episode three. So instead of having a guest, I decided to go ahead and, well, one of the biggest things that I was conflicted with or, you know, having some major doubts about this entire podcast thing, you know, I'm barely like three episodes in and I'm already like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to sustain this thing? Um, it's just content and just figuring out what the heck am I going to be talking about? And so I can't always have guests because one, for the most part, I kind of like doing my interviewing live here in my little, my office, because I get to react to how the, my interviewee, you know, is reacting to the questions or, you know, if we're having a good time, or if I know that the questions are going in a good direction, you know, I can read their energy and sway it one way or another. Um, but, you know, working with podcasting and doing it live doesn't always have the best scheduling. And not everybody is always free to be able to come over to the house and sit down and carve out at least an hour for an interview. So the next best thing to do is to hit up the Internet and figure out, you know, how to curate stories. So I found some stuff and I'm going to use it. And the first topic that I want to do for episode three is the top 10, and I had to rename this one. I had to rename it to make sense. The top 10 shower thoughts to consider when getting started with photography. Now, a little precursor to this. Uh, For those of you who don't know, even though this whole podcasting thing is brand new, this is not the only thing that I do. One, I'm actually, my day job is actually a teacher. teach at Irvine High School. I teach advanced journalism. So my, I'm a teacher. That's basically me. I'm a teacher. But I, when I, when it's the weekend, I take that teacher hat off and I throw on my photographer hat. I've been doing photography for about nine and a half years now, I think almost going on 10 years. I don't know. I should probably check my LinkedIn and see what my uh, anniversary is for I'm photography, but I've been doing it for a long time. And I started out as, it started in college, I picked it up and everything, I was actually a psych major, quickly realized that I was not cut out for psychology whatsoever, and I figured, well, you know what, I've always had a background and I've always had a, a passion for photography, so let's just go ahead and do this. Long story short, now we're here. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that, and I started out as uh, working in a studio, for this guy named uh, David Quintanilla, who actually does not even work here anymore. He actually lives in California. He has his own magazine now, and he does all the crazy cool stuff. He's more of an artist than a photographer. Anyway, I learned from him, and I started off as a kind of like an office assistant. I would just clean sets and things like that, make sure that the office was nice and neat for the sets that he was going to be needing. I helped create and build sets for him. And, um, he taught me a lot about Photoshop and that's where I really learned, uh, how to manipulate things in, in Photoshop, not necessarily manipulate in a way where it's like, if someone comes up to me like, well, make me look skinny. I can do that, but I don't want to, because that's just not how I work anyway. So top 10 shower thoughts on getting started with photography or AKA. So you want to be a photographer. And I get this a lot, you know, what do I need to do? Where where should I start? What do I, who do I talk to? And so we're at number one. The first thing that I usually tell people or I ask them is like, are you even good at photography? Have you ever had any experience uh, holding a camera, taking pictures for somebody. I don't care. You could be the the family photographer for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Um, Any experience is good experience. But if you have zero experience, it, it, it becomes that much harder to forge something from nothing. I don't know if that made sense. To forge something from nothing. I don't know. Anyway, are you even good? Um, so many people, I've run into a lot of people who have picked it up after years and years of trying to, oh, you know, I've been wanting to do it and I finally bought a camera. Great. Um, what's your background? So when you want to start in photography, 
you need to ask yourself a really, really hard question right before you do it is, am I even good enough? And am I ready for all the other things that come with it? That leads us to number two, which is the actual financial commitment that is required for photography. Um, I am not saying that you need to go out and buy the first Hasselblad, you know, camera that you see on the market because that's absolutely ridiculous and absolutely unnecessary. Uh, One, Hasselblad cameras are extremely rare and they're really only used in commercial photography, like that one niche. Uh, And they're also $22,000. So that is definitely not the best way to go at it. I definitely would stay away from point and shoots, which is just uh, regular little cameras. It might have a tiny little screen on it, but the, the lens doesn't move. Like you can't zoom in and out with your hand on the lens. The lens is actually fixed to the body. Um, yeah, don't, I wouldn't start there because you're not going to get a very good accurate representation of the actual functions of the camera. Um, it probably only shoots automatic. It probably doesn't allow you to shoot manual. There might be some sort of aperture priority or shutter priority, which I will get into in other episodes about, you know, using the camera and everything if those come up. But Right now, it's very, very uh, superficial. We're only going to try and get through these uh, these 10 topics right now. So the financial commitment. Now, at one point, I had three, one, two, I think I had three cameras. I had my Nikon D5100, which was technically the newest one that I had, that I had on me. And then I also had the Nikon S1 a Nikon D60, which is actually discontinued. They don't even make the D60 anymore. And I also had, no, that's it. I had those three. And my first, the first camera that I had was the D60. And that was probably in mid 2009. And in mid 2009, that D60 was probably just around the $1,500 mark which was really expensive at that time. Uh, The S1, it was a green camera. It was not a DSLR or or an SLR, single lens reflex camera, the ones that you see professionals use or like the ones that you see like at weddings. It wasn't like that. It was literally kind of a a higher end point and shoot, but it was Nikon and it was really cool, but it was more of like a a throw around camera. I can just Kind of, it was small enough I could throw in my back pocket, and if I wanted to take a quick picture, or if I wanted to do some video, I could do that, you know, on the spot. But it was definitely not a professional, professional camera. It was also mirrorless, so there was no moving parts within the actual camera body. And then the D fifty one hundred was that was my workhorse. That was my pride and joy. That was my baby. Um, I took care of that camera so much, but I'll. I punished that camera with so much work. It saw so many photo shoots. It saw so many different weddings. Um, I, I definitely miss it. It was, it felt good in the hand and everything, but, um, all of those cameras did add up. I think if I really wanted to adding them all together, it was probably, you know, just shy of maybe about around $2,000 for all three. So the financial commitment is definitely a big part if you want to get into photography. You're going to have to invest. Now, don't think of it. Some people think about when they spend money on stuff, they're like, oh, you know, I I wasted all this money uh, just to do this, and it's not even turning out. Well, if you're already thinking that you're wasting money by making a purchase like this, then this is definitely not the thing that you should probably be doing. It is a financial investment because you are investing in a piece of very expensive equipment to help you um, become the professional that I would hope that you would want to be. Um, And then this is the part where I'm definitely going to be losing some subscribers and some listeners is that uh, I am 100% and will always be 100% Nikon. Um, Why? Because I think Nikon is lighter it is easier to use. It is literally user-friendly. It works right out of the box. And I just feel that the images that it produces are, they're softer. 
there is a little bit more, um, the colors are a lot more natural when you're shooting with a Nikon and all the experiences I have personally, okay, maybe, you know, everyone's going to be different when they have different cameras in their hands and they start shooting with them for a while. Now, I've never really shot exclusively with Canons, but from the experience that I do have with them, since most of the cameras that I work with at Irvin are Canons, I feel that they're overly saturated. Uh, they're very bright. The ISO is extremely sensitive on Canons, and I feel like there's a lot more fumbling around with the controls. I, I don't even, I can't for the life of me remember what AV and TV means on the setting dial. I'm pretty sure it's still the same thing, like aperture priority and um, shutter priority, but it's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Plus, for me personally, again, um, I feel like they're very heavy. They are very, very, very heavy. And if you do plan on planning on going down a route where you end up doing weddings as part of like your little side hustle, just take into consideration that you're going to be on your feet for about a total of probably eight hours. I'm only assuming that if someone does a wedding, they're going to be doing it for the entire day. They're booked the entire day. You're going to have that puppy, you know, slung over your, you know, slinged over your shoulder. Your shoulders are going to get tired. Your arms are going to get tired because you're shooting pictures. You're waiting for the, those, you know, Kodak moments. <laughs> and, um, you really want to just take care of yourself as well. You don't want to get tired because once you start getting tired, we're going. Everyone is going to notice. Well, you know, they start getting tired here. There's a lot of shaking, um, so that's another thing. And then it's just the upkeep, buying SD cards because, believe it or not, those SD cards you will lose them a lot. I've lost maybe two 16 gig uh, SD cards over the span of those nine years with one of the SD cards being, I think it was a 64 gig SD card, which I was really proud of getting because I waited so long to get something big enough so I didn't have to worry about only having one card on me, um, which is kind of the reason why I have the, the D7100 now because it actually has dual SD card slots, whereas the D60 and the 5100, they only had single slots. Um, but my daughter... <laughs> My, my dog, uh, uh, Lucy, she actually, I don't know how she did it, but I mean, beagles will be beagles. She actually figured out a way to get the SD card. And I must've had it on a corner of a, the counter. It was at our first house. It was on a counter or it was on the corner of the table or something, but she got to it and she ate it and it's long gone. And I probably found like bits and pieces. And that's the only way I found out that she ate it. So there is definitely upkeep. Now, true story, and it's a horror story, the upkeep is not just the SD cards. The upkeep is also the you know, the camera itself, including the glass. And when I say glass from this point on, I'm referring to the lenses. Um, I, I don't have my, my backpack with me right now, but I do know that I have, I have a stock 35 millimeter, um, 35 millimeter lens. I have a I think it's a 55-200 lens, and then the one lens that I use a lot, exclusively with everything, photo shoots, fashion shoots, weddings, everything, you name it, my creative stuff, I, it is an 18-135 millimeter. Now, that one lens, uh, man, like two years ago, I was using it with my students, and this is probably the one thing everyone's going to be like, well, that's that was your first problem, so you're letting your students use it. Well, they weren't using it by themselves. I was with them. It was actually, we were trying to shoot some video, and we were using the shoulder mount that we probably shouldn't have been using because it was literally falling apart. Long story short, it ended up cracking, um, and the camera went down, and the lens itself took the whole uh, force of the fall, and that lens literally snapped in half, and it took the better part of two years for me to get that lens back and fixed. Um, and even then, I can still tell where exactly it doesn't work like it used to. It works. Uh, it it autofocuses great and everything, but that right there is a very good example of upkeep. You just never know when that's going to happen. So the second point, money. Are you ready to invest in something that's good? 
because, uh, true story, I almost didn't get the 7100 just because of how much it was. And I literally almost, and, and, you know, Sam, you know, she was, you know, she was being the good wife and she was being the supporter and she really wanted me to have something good, but we knew that that Nikon was probably not going to end up falling in our, in, in the wheelhouse when it came to, to finances. Uh, I almost settled for a Sony. Uh, I'd have no idea how that would have turned out. I'm pretty sure I would have ended up making it work, whatever, but you know, she knew how much the Nikon meant to me, so we ended up finding some other deals elsewhere. So I, I was able to stay with Nikon, uh, thankfully. But money, make sure that you are ready to invest. Second thing, uh, Nikon or bust, okay? If you go Nikon, I promise you, you are going to have fun with it. If you go Canon, great. Uh, I shoot Canon, but only with film. I have the the Canon AE1, which was actually my dad's camera, and then he gave it to me. And I, I'm looking at it right now. It's just it's hanging up on my wall. I have a roll of film in there, and the battery is still good on it. But I, that's the only time I ever use Nikon is with film. So go Nikon, sponsor me. You can have a, a spot on the podcast. And then the third thing, upkeep. You never know when something's gonna break. You never know when you're gonna lose something. Um, I've literally gone through like two different flashes. I have two flashes right now in my bag, ready to go. Uh, one that takes two batteries, another one that takes four. So you just need to have all of that in the back of your mind. Number three, so putting in the practice. What drives you to want to learn photography? Now, this is where it gets interesting because everyone is gonna say like, I just wanna take pictures. But it's always good to have some sort of idea of where you want your pictures to take you. So some people are going to be naturally drawn to landscapes, which was actually where I started. I started taking pictures of uh, the mountains because honestly, that is like one of the most beautiful things here in El Paso is our mountains. And they literally change. uh, Believe it or not, for me, I feel like they change daily. The landscape changes here changes daily. The colors change daily, if not hourly. Sometimes the mountains look red. Sometimes the mountains look more blue or they look more green or maybe they look more brown. Um, so, you know, what drives you? Is it nature? Is it portraits? Is it people? Is it fashion? Is it weddings? Whatever it is, are you willing to put in the time uh, to practice those skills or that skill set for that niche of photography that you want to get yourself into. And another thing is, are you trying to copy somebody? And I'm going to be very, very honest. I was copying David. I liked the way that he shot and I love the way that he edited even more. But something that happens is that, um, for me, when he left, I was able to take all of that stuff and and change it and, and evolve it. And when I did that, that's when everything started becoming Isaac. It became I'm Photography's brand of imaging. Um, if you look at the pictures on my Instagram, and you can find me, I'm Photography 915, you can see that all of my images, more or less, they're all kind of edited the same way. Now, granted... Lately, I've been trying a different way of editing my pictures. It's not that different, but it does yield a different uh, product. And for the person who's starting out, it might not seem that different from one picture to the next. But as you keep going and, and you know, days turn into to weeks, weeks turn into months and months turn into years, you will end up seeing how your editing is going to evolve. And so... It's like what everyone says, you know, uh, uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. You always want to start somewhere. You want to idolize somebody. You want to emulate somebody. Don't steal the way that they do something, uh, but emulate it. And then from there, once you get comfortable, like, oh, yeah, okay, this is definitely how Ansel Adam would have done it. The next thing to do is to say, okay, what can I do to make this even better? Or what can I do to make this, you know, whoever you are, this is me. So we all start somewhere. We all idolize somebody. We all try and become that person. 
But then that that breaking of the mold is where it's like, okay, now this is my work. This is me. So remember to always just put that practice in and 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 really go out there and refine what you're doing. Because photography is fun. Because, I mean, you get to go out and you get to explore your world when it comes to practicing. It's not like with like a musical instrument. You can't just... Uh, um, I mean, I'm looking at my bass guitars. I can't just pull off my bass and go downtown and start playing. One, it's an electric bass. I can't just plug in. And two, I don't really play that well of bass. And if I go out there and people start seeing, oh, you know, check it out. Someone has a bass guitar. They're going to start playing. I'm going to I'm going to draw a crowd. Whereas people are more... Um, when they see a photographer, they kind of observe from a distance. So that way you have your space uh, to, to practice everything to, you know, flipping all the dials and zooming in and zooming out. So practice, 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 which is coming from a person who hates to practice, but Hey, if you like it, it's really not work. Okay. Number four, are you doing this as a hobby or are you expecting to get somewhere with this? Now, this is a big one. By the time you get to this point, you probably have had like a few weeks, you have a couple months um, of getting used to shooting uh, portraits or whatever, and you're getting really good at it. You're, you're going out weekly, or at least you're going out like I do on the weekends or when I'm on break from school. Um, and now you're kind of at a crossroad. You need to ask yourself, am I going to keep this as a hobby or do I want to try and take this to the next level? Now, one of the things that separates two different people when it comes to photography is the people who want to keep it a plain and simple hobby. They want to just have their cameras lined around. They pick it up. They pick it up. If they don't, they're totally fine with that. The other one is the hustle. It's literally being able to pick up your camera, go out and talk to people, meet people, rub shoulders, um, go out on, on social media, which I'll get to later. Um, but one of the things is that nobody really ever starts from the top because some people are like, well, you know, just get to it, Isaac, tell me how to become famous. And I'm going to tell you right now, you are asking the wrong person, the wrong question, because I am nowhere near famous. And again, all of this is going to come up a little bit later because I have a better point to make later on in, in some of the later questions, but no one starts at the top. You can't assume that You've been practicing for maybe, you know, a month or two, three months, and you're ready to ask somebody, hey, can you can you uh, help me out with a shoot? Because they're going to start asking you questions and you're they're probably going to be asking you some stuff that you have no idea or you have really nothing to show them. Uh, you're probably asking someone, hey, can you pose for me? And all you have are um, landscape pictures. That's not the best way to approach somebody especially when uh, you're looking to refine yourself. Are you ready to sell yourself? A lot of the times I tell people, people will come up to me and they're like, hey, do you think I'd be good at photography? And I was like, mm, maybe if you're willing to sell your soul in the process, because sometimes people are just way, you're way too nice. You're way too nice for photography because Photography literally is a form of marketing. It's a form of being a salesperson because you are selling a product to somebody. When you're doing a wedding, you are selling yourself and you're selling the images that you're going to be giving. So are you ready to talk? Are you ready to defend what you're doing? And um, yeah, uh, it's all about defense. The defense is you know that you can back up the work that someone is asking you to do for them. And I will be completely 100% honest. In nine years, I'm sure of it that there have been times where I have literally missed the mark on pictures that I've done for people or I've missed something about a deliverable. You know, I've taken the pictures, but now maybe I missed some prints or maybe I messed up the prints. Um, it is a game. It's a hustle. And sometimes if you're too nice about it, you're going to get walked all over and no one is going to take you as a serious photographer, um, photographer, a serious artist, uh, anything. So you're going to have to learn how to defend yourself when it comes to this, because this, um, apart from 
you know, I don't know, maybe even painters. I actually, you know, I was downtown on a shoot just last weekend, and I actually, for the first time in my life, I actually saw a painter painting outside. They were doing like a live painting. They had the easel and everything. And um, yeah, you're selling yourself because you're going out, you're talking to people, and you need to defend your art as best as possible. Number five, be ready for people to know you even more. So now you've had your practice, you're talking to people, and now it's time for you to really put your name out there. And the best way to do that in 2017 is social media. For the longest time, I was trying to do things kind of sort of the hard way by just having a website. And I mean, that's usually where everyone is, is on the internet. But, you know, in the past five years, Social media has skyrocketed as as a tool to market businesses, to market small businesses, and to smart to um, to to smart it to market uh, individuals. So you're going to have to really leverage social media to benefit your uh, photography. You're going to have to have your personal one that you use for whatever, and then you're going to have to have your professional one to showcase your work. Um, I really don't advise to link both of them together, like to completely get rid of your personal and to put um, everything in the business, because then what's going to happen is that that social media outlet, which I'm assuming, and it should be Instagram, um, that is going to become your digital portfolio. And you don't want pictures of you, um, you know, at a party or with friends. And then, you know, five pictures later, there's some pictures of a landscape or there's a picture of a wedding that you did. You want to be able to have all of your professional stuff as close together as possible. Uh, Let's see. People will ask for some sort of portfolio, work to see of you, let's see, or work to see if you go decide to go down a route that has money tied to it, yes, um, money, money <laughs> is literally the root of all evil. I am going. I'm not going to even lie about that. Once you start getting to a point where you're comfortable and you're you're getting the weddings, and I'm going to tell you this really quick, weddings is where the money is at, honestly. Um, unless you're really really good at marketing something else for somebody like i said a deliverable something that you can produce for somebody weddings is where the money is at and you have to be so in tune with when wedding season is and what when it's coming up and when people are starting to plan and everything so that way you can kind of ride that wave a little bit and you can see a little bit of a a flux for me i i if i can manage two weddings a year, that's good for me. And I'm pretty sure that there's like some photographers out there in El Paso that are listening to this or who might <laughs> who might accidentally listen to this for some reason. And they're like, oh my gosh, his, his stats are all wrong. His dates are all wrong. Or he's not even giving an accurate date. I don't, I don't like really bothering with that. I just know, I feel it. It's a sense. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like a, um, not a premonition. It's a, uh, intuition i kind of just know and if anybody really knows who i am i i do and i do talk to a lot of people i am not popular i am not famous i am not i don't think i'm well known um i just talk to a lot of people i really put myself out there and more often than not i really don't know that i'm doing it And then it's right at the end where it's like, oh, crap, you know, I just talked to like 20 different people about photography and I might have passed out like five cards or something like that. Or I wrote down my uh, gave some people my emails or gave them my numbers or we exchanged phone numbers or we exchanged text messages. It's a sale. You have to kind of just ride that wave. You need to find that sweet spot um, because that's where the money is going to be generated from is is weddings, 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 weddings. Um, we also live in El Paso and a big thing in El Paso is sweet 16s. I personally, and again, I'm, I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm going to bite the bullet on this one. 
I personally really don't like shooting quinceañeras, but I never turn them down. Um, I feel that they're really unorganized, at least the ones that I've done, are, or, or there are aspects of it that should have been more tight than others. Um, and so I really just, I don't like doing it, but I'll do it. I am more of a wedding person, for sure. And even then, there are some weddings that are just completely uh, not planned well at all. So just be ready for people to start knowing you because you're going to be putting yourself out there. You're going to have your social media going. You're going to have to talk. You're going to be passing out cards. That's another thing. Make business cards. But don't make, you know, boring business cards. You need to go out there. Um, I get all of my stuff from Moo.com. Uh, my wife actually designed the logo that I use. And uh, I have that on all my business cards. She's actually made me stickers that I use for when I uh, burn all of the images to DVDs for my clients and everything after after the shoot and whatnot. So brand yourself. Have a logo. Um, be cutting edge, I guess. Uh, be relevant. That's a better word. Be relevant. Don't be 1960s, 70s business card, you know, one eighth business card. Be different. My cards, and I actually, you know, I need to actually buy some more or design some more cards, were actually very thin. And if I can find a picture, I'll, I'll post a link of it. But they're thin, very thick, sturdy. People are drawn to individuals that are individuals. You need to be able to stand out from the crowd. But just be ready for people to know you by that point. They're going to know you. They're going to see your work. And if you really do a good job, they are going to pass your name off. Trust me. Um, so that was number five. My throat really hurts right now because I've been talking like nonstop. So let's take a break and then I will be right back. Kmart shoppers, stop by the men's and boys department for all your winter needs. Choose among a wide assortment of flannel shirts, sweaters, and outerwear, all available in the newest styles and colors. Our fleece tops and pants for men's and boys are made in the USA and are available in a rainbow of colors at a low Kmart price. Don't forget to use our convenient layaway for all these new fall fashions, and thank you for shopping our Kmart. Okay, alrighty, I'm back. Needed to get me some, uh, my trusty fisherman's friend lozenges you know if you guys you know it's getting cold outside and your throat's gonna start hurting you should really give fisherman friends a try i know that some people are like all about ricola and some people like halls and the halls like fruit breezers and all of that other horrible just candy you guys really need to try fisherman friends so strong feels like a big gulp of salt water. I don't know why. That's like the first thing that comes to mind when I think about, about Fisherman's Friend. And it's cool because like I got it in, in the tin and they don't even sell them in the tin anymore. So I'm really glad that I held on to this because it looks so old school and everything. And there's a picture of a fishing boat and uh, uh, this guy uh, smoking a pipe. He has a white beard. So this is pretty cool. Anyway, you guys should try it out for the, the winter and keeping your throats nice and not hurting anyway let's go ahead and get back to this number six and oh man okay so this is this is where it's going to start getting interesting number six on our uh, list of uh, 10 shower thoughts before getting into photography that you need to to think through number six other photo uh photographers are not always going to be your best friends now i don't know if this is just something that happens because it's photography in and of itself or i don't know if it's an el paso thing but in nine years i've only had one really bad run in with a photographer and no names the situation though was um they had uh I'm, I'm trying really hard not to say like to give anything away they had hired me because they had double booked themselves and they were not going to be able to do it so they're like hey you know what i'll throw you some cash can you do this for me and i was like yeah great so i met up with him at the event and he <laughs> oh man and they uh introduced me to the the point of contact and so it wasn't going to start for like maybe another 30 40 minutes or whatever 
So I was like, here, you know, here's my card. Take it. Just uh, keep in touch with me so that way I know uh, who, uh, so that I know who to talk to if something comes up. Long story short, I get a phone call the next day from the person who hired me. And um, just to, to kind of give a little bit more insight into into this whole thing, we actually had like a really, really cool like working relationship. I was able to go and, and borrow this person had their own studio. And I was able to borrow this studio whenever it wasn't being used. I mean, this studio was massive. And they um, they let me use it whenever it wasn't being used or maybe they would let me use a little part of it if the other part was being used. So it was a really cool relationship. Really cool person too. But anyway, I get a call the next day about this whole event that I had covered for them. And they basically told me that um, that I was trying to steal the client from them because I gave them my card. And I was just like, whoa, wait, time out. Technical. Like, what are you talking about? Person? Like, I wasn't trying to steal anything. Like, why would I even consider stealing it? And so the whole thing was just focused around me giving the card to the point of contact. And so that just goes to show you the the level of, how can I put it, territory? Photographers, and again, I don't know if it's an El Paso thing. I don't know if it's anywhere else. If there's other photographers out there, please let me know if it's like that uh, in, in your area. But it is very, very territorial here in El Paso. You do not go. Uh, I don't, it's not necessarily you don't go there, but it's definitely, you know, don't ask this person because this person only works with me. Or I only shoot with so-and-so, so you have to talk to me before I let them shoot with you. Trust me, it happens. And please believe me because I've had to have those awkward conversations where it's just like, are you kidding me? You're charging me to talk to somebody who supposedly only works exclusively with you. It's really, it's really strange. It's like borderline, like a lot of photographers here have like contracts with certain people that you know they have to talk to me before you work with them whatever it's just strange so don't there are some there are some diamonds in the rough i will give you that there are diamonds in the rough and if you find those individuals hold on to them and treat them well because if you treat them well they will treat you well because they know the hustle they know how hard it can be and all they really want to do is just to see everyone prosper um Another quick story is that when I was starting off, when I started getting into wedding photography, I had my prices posted everywhere. And I think I made the mistake of posting my website to a Facebook fan page for photographers. And it was supposed to be a networking thing. And man, I didn't hear the end of it. Oh, your prices are too low. You're, you're, you're ruining the market for us. And I don't, I don't know. Like there was absolutely no cre there was no creative criticism it was just all criticism there was no help so on on one side of the coin it's just like you probably shouldn't have said anything at all if you were just going to be mean about it and the second thing was just like well if my prices are low and my product is good and i'm gaining your customers then and that's kind of just I mean, that's just how businesses work. If one person is doing better than the other, it's not personal. It's just business. And that's kind of how you think about it. And then that goes back to question three or four, where it's like, are you too nice? Because you don't want to get walked all over. But then you also don't want to be, uh, you really don't want to be uh, a butthead about it. Uh, let's see. So. Photographers are not always going to be your best friend. Um, yeah, it's dog eat dog. So just be prepared for that. Um, number seven, be ready for tons of critique if you do follow other photographers or fan pages. Um, please take my advice. Don't, unless you're a glutton for punishment, don't follow 
anybody on Facebook fan pages when it comes to photography. Because in my experience of following people on on Facebook, it's literally, look what I did, me, 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 only work with me, I'm so cool, I'm the best, um, yeah, that's literally all I see sometimes. It's very rare where you actually see people working together. And now what's interesting is that a lot of places, they'll have these things called, um, and I'm pretty sure it's nothing new, but they'll have like photo crawls. So it's kind of like instead of a beer crawl or like a pub crawl, it's a photo crawl. And so you have, you, you, you figure out, okay, we're going to have X amount of people. We're all going to show up at, let's just say that they're going to show up at the plaza. Um, we're going to have X amount of people you know, come on out, we're going to go from the plaza, and we're just going to walk around, we're going to take pictures. I've been to one, and it really wasn't even a crawl, it was at, uh, uh, it was just at a house, and it literally was almost kind of like a borderline, it was just like a house party that happened to have a bunch of photographers, and that happened to have, like, a few models there, too, and it was just really weird. So, unless you're into that stuff, and you really, really, really want to, like, immerse yourself in that culture, hey, go for it. You know, you'll love it, but if you really want to kind of just learn things on your own, and experience stuff on your own, and I don't know, you just want to be that lone wolf, uh, yeah, it's... It's really, really weird, and it's it gets pretty crazy really fast. And then plus you're going to have to deal with all the different personalities as well. Uh, let's see, critiques. It's brutal. It is. I mean, they're going to tear you a new one. You're going to get, uh, I mean, you might have like this beautiful website, and your prices may actually be pretty competitive, and X, Y, and Z. And someone is always going to have the next best thing to tell you, like, this this is bad, this sucks, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, it's brutal. So just uh, uh, hold on and, you know, buy the ticket and take the ride. But you'll survive if you have, <laughs> I put here, you'll survive if you have no soul, but you have a spirit of adventure. Um, it's kind of like teaching. I always tell my students, uh, I don't have any feelings, you know, you're, you're going to do what you're going to want to do, but, you know... If you're thinking that you're going to get a rise out of me, you're not. Uh, I have no soul whatsoever. That's kind of how you have to think about it. There, a lot of these people have been doing it for definitely longer than me. You know, going on 10 years soon. But then there's other people in El Paso who have been doing this for 10, 20, 30. Some people I, I think that I know have been doing this for like maybe about 30, 35, 40 years already. And it's kind of those people who they're the ones who kind of take it easy on everybody and they're just like, you know what, they're going to do what they're going to want to do. And it's these other people, these other uh, uh, photographers who really want to try and stir the pot a little bit and, and, and get a rise out of people, but you'll survive. By this time, you're, you have a thick enough skin. You're going to, you'll know what you can take and what you need to back away from. Number eight, social media is going to, is not going to be fun anymore until it becomes second nature. So, you think that the couple of hours here and there that you spend on social media, liking pictures and everything is uh, going to get you somewhere when it comes to the photography thing. Think again. It's a completely different thing. Um, it's not just a matter of, you know, posting a, a couple pictures that you took of the mountains or of a fashion shoot that you did or maybe a, you know, a little collage of a wedding. Now, what you have to be thinking about is, when do I post and when do I post for the most click throughs and for the most uh, viewing? And I'm not even going to get into that because there are so many different ways of going about using social media for that, that that could be literally like a series of episodes talking about social media marketing and the time of day when you do it in the day what type of content, the filter that you use, the hashtags that you use. I'm not even going to get into that. It's just that by this time, if you've decided to take photography to a professional realm, you're going to have to start treating the things that you are doing normally a little bit differently. Everything after that point becomes a business. Um, I can only speak from experience. What I usually do is I don't, 
if I have a lot of stuff, this is kind of why I book myself a lot on the weekends. I, I like booking myself at least, you know, two or three shoots in so that way I have content to be posting up. Um, and then a surprising thing about that, I'll get to that right now. But I, I try and book myself to have the three shoots, to have content to post. And I usually post in the morning at 9 o'clock, around the 9 o'clock hour from 9 to 9, between 9 and 9.15. I post then. Why? At 9 and 9.15? Because that's usually when people are finished getting ready. And they're either heading out the door, they're eating their breakfast out the door. Or they might be, which they shouldn't be, but they're probably sitting in traffic on their phone uh, looking. Boom. Click-throughs. Um, and then I don't post again until either 6 p.m. Between 6, from 6 to about 9 p.m. Because that's when people are getting off of work. They're in the gym. They're looking at their phone or they're at home looking at their phone. They're, they're trying to catch up on everything that they weren't able to do at work if they're not able to look at their phone at work. That's just how social media works now for business, especially for image Let's just call it image marketing. You're trying to sell your images. You're trying to sell what you're able to do now. It's like, I, I can do this. Everyone needs to see it. So now you have to pick the times. Um, for me, the hashtags, I'm going to get into that later because I literally use di like three different websites. I literally copy down them all and I post them on different, different ways. I, I shout out different names, people's names, editors' names, magazine names. Um, and all those other uh, cutesy, uh, flowery hashtag things and everything. And, you know, I'm just, it, social media marketing is, ev it's always uh, evolving. It's never constant. One day, uh, your hashtag uh, outfit of the day, OOTD, one day that thing will pop and you'll get maybe, 45 hits, maybe 50 hits in the span of an hour, maybe. Uh, and then the next day, you'll probably get 10. And it has nothing to do with the quality of your picture. And it has nothing to do of when of anything else, really. It's just that one hashtag kind of just went off the radar for a little bit and got replaced by something else that everyone else is clicking through. So yeah, Social media is going to turn into a business from, from that point on if you really want to start uh, hustling your game and hustling your image and your business. Number nine is something that I suffer from heavily, and I, I curse Tumblr for ever introducing this to me accidentally because now I really want to buy the book because I just, when I was writing down my notes, I noticed that somewhere it said um, book coming soon. But it's called, and I mean, this is completely personal. This is just something that I threw in there. Um, but it, it, it makes a lot of sense. But it's called Vemodalin. And I really hope that I didn't butcher that because it, it's spelled V-E-M-O, but the O has those two dots on the top. D-A-L-E-N. So I'm not sure if it's Vemodalin or, um, how do I say it? Vemodalin? I don't know. I say Vemodalin. If it's right, great. If not, please correct me. But Vemodalin is indeed a real thing. And it came to me when I was on Tumblr because I actually, again, this, now see, you're going to see how all of the things, these uh, points that I'm talking about personally, they tied to, to one another. Um, Tumblr, I actually have my, uh, my Instagram tied three different ways. It's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr all tied together. And so I guess one day I was checking to make sure that everything was uh, uploading correctly from Instagram to Tumblr, and I stumbled upon this thing called the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. And I was just like, mind blown. I literally went through all 117 pages, uh, and I was like, yep, 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 yep. And Vemodalin was the only one that really stuck out to me because it was the only one that was used in the reference of photographers. And basically, Vemodalin is a noun, and the definition is the fear that everything has already been done. Now, this can mean anything, but for, for uh, photographers, this is kind of like the proverbial, you know, last nail in the coffin because photographers... 
uh, we are not painters where we can we have our our canvas on our easel and we can just paint whatever we want from our mind um we we can capture things and images and and prevent them from deteriorating you can take a picture of a mountain or a better yet a picture of a tree and in 10 in you know i don't know whatever happens happens you know in in a year two years maybe it gets cut down but at least we have that picture of the tree before in in all of its glory and splendor but the thing is is that for uh, the examples that they give in the video of Vemadalant is those little cutesy pictures of people who um, they put the little ring in the book and and the shadow comes in just at the right way and it, it casts a heart. They showed like a, a whole collage of pictures like that, like 50. And so the thing that they're trying to drive home is just like everything that you can take a picture of right now has already been taken by somebody else at a different time with better lighting with a better camera than you and this sounds horrible horribly pessimistic uh horribly uncreative and like a, a total downer but Vemodalin is a real thing and it's something that really really gets to me sometimes because um I mean, I can go in these shoots and in the moment, I'm just thinking, okay, you're going to sit here, pose like this, or, you know, just walk towards me if I'm shooting a little bit of a, a, a video of a fashion shoot or something, or even at weddings, you know, can you do this? Can you hold the champagne glass like this or hold his hand? Or could I borrow your rings? I'm going to, I'm going to set them up on the table like this. And it's not until I'm actually editing them where it's like, Vemo Dallin is, is at my front door, ringing the doorbell. It's like, Hey, you know what? I'm here. Check this out. And then everything that I've done has been done before, um, you know, if not the same way, then better. And so you have to really learn to kind of ignore that and really see the, uh, the importance of just the image. Don't worry that somebody else has taken this picture before, but just worry about the image and what it means to you. Uh, yeah, Vemodalin sucks. It really does. It really kind of just turns down the the, excite, the excitement when it comes to creativity and everything. But um, it's real. And if we, you can acknowledge Vemodalin um, at a very early stage in, in your photography career path or like, you know, your side hustle path, um, the better off you are. Because it's like, okay, you know what? This is okay. I can get through this. I can I can figure out a different way of doing something. So yeah, Vemodalin hate it so now you know uh before we get to number 10 let's just do a little quick little recap uh from from the top and go back over this number one are you even good at it have a little bit of experience that's basically all i'm saying i'm not saying that if you don't give it up just get a little experience buy the buy those, those um well they're not cheap anymore but buy those um disposable cameras take a couple shots see how they turn out or if you know if or if you're lucky enough you're uh um uh, to have kind of like a, a an old point and shoot or something like that take it out see see what's up see uh how you uh how you feel taking pictures of people or, or landscapes with it and check your pictures on a computer screen uh and and see where you are are there and if you're good great Let's go to number two. And if not, maybe you need to find something else. Uh, number two, financial commitment. Uh, make sure that you're ready to commit to the price of the camera and the price of upkeep and the price of all the other cool little toy thingies that you can buy for your cameras. Uh, so like my cameras, uh, I mean, you lose the lids, or not the lids, but you lose the, the camera uh, the lens caps and stuff like that. So it's all, it's about replacing those things. Um, you're going to need an external flash. If you decide to go professional for like weddings and everything, there's no way that you're going to be able to shoot weddings without a flash. Um, and then with the flash, I also have bought a, a tiny little soft box for it. So, I mean, that's a purchase right there. I mean, the thing was like 20 bucks, uh, nothing too crazy. But SD cards, I mean, those things run you from anywhere from 
And I mean, you, you don't want to get something that's like six gigs or eight gigs or anything like that. You need to start at least at 16 gigs and that's going to run you. If you're there on sale, it could be anywhere from eight ninety nine, uh, and then not on sale from, you know, 10 to 15 bucks. Or if you're like me and you don't, you want one SD card to rule them all and you want to get like a couple 64 gigs or you want to be better than me and you want to get like 128 gigs, you're looking at anywhere from on sale, maybe if you're lucky, you can get 64 gigs for maybe like about 20, 25 bucks. And if you miss the sale, you're looking anywhere from 30 to a hundred dollars tops. So yeah, financial commitment, make sure that you're ready for that. Put in the practice, get out there, start shooting. Um, Something that I tell my students, for every 500 pictures that you take, you're probably, you want to take more pictures than you think you're going to need. So if you want, if you want to take 500 pictures, just know that out of 500 pictures, you're looking at maybe 10% of those are only going to be usable. So always know the number that you want and then, you know, shoot for a little bit more so that way you have some stuff to look through. But practice, practice, practice. Get out there. If you're sitting in your house with a, a, a really nice, fancy $1,500 camera and all you're doing is taking pictures inside the house, um, you're not really expanding your horizons much. Number four, are you doing this as a hobby or are you expecting to get somewhere with this? If it's a hobby, great. More power to you. If you are looking to make this into some type of possible career, then yeah, everything applies. The, the finances, the money, uh, if you're good enough for it and, and the career path for it, that's your personality and, um, you know, the hustle of the profession. Number five, be ready for people to know you. You got to get out there, rub some, uh, rub elbows rub shoulders, um, throw your name out there, buy yourself some good cards, but be ready for people to know you. One thing that I did forget to talk about was that, and I mean, I guess this kind of thing, this this falls under that you don't start at the top automatically just because you have a camera or, or whatever, is that, and again, all of this is from experience. All of these things have happened to me. Nobody's going to want to work with you for a, at least a year, maybe. It really depends. Why? Case in point, I actually had asked this one person if they would like to shoot with me. Um, and they were like, no, I only work with people who are, you know, published professional photographers. So one, I was like, well, darn, I I really don't publish in anything i've sent off stuff but i mean it's just never picked so it's like "Mm, okay well i'm not published and then literally it's probably been a little bit longer than a year but a year later i asked the same person the same question and the tone completely changed oh yes i'm I'm really glad that you asked me and i've been meaning to to talk to you and I'm, i'm glad that you want me to shoot with you blah 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 um so yeah people uh there's just you want to have all of the practice that you can before you start asking people um, because they need assurances that they're working with someone who's professional and, and takes it seriously. They're not going to work with someone who is going to um, take their time out of their day and then you're there fumbling with your camera and, and you forgot something or whatever. They're expecting to work with a professional. So you need to work on becoming that professional to that point. Um, six other photographers are not always going to be your best friends. Oh man. Yeah. Just be aware of that. Um, again, don't know if it's an El Paso thing. I really hope it's not. I just, I hope that, you know, it's equal everywhere, but in case it is, you just know that, you know, you're just, you're going to run across these people and you need to just take it worth a grain of salt. It has nothing to do personally. It's just, that's, that's the way that they work when it comes to photography. They're not going to work with you. They're they're just going to be rude. Let them be jerks on their own. Uh, sometimes you get lucky. Oh, hold on. 
Um, let's see what else. Oh, completely forgot that one. Sometimes you get lucky and you catch them on a good day. Uh, sometimes photographers will want to work with you. They, they see it as a teachable opportunity. Um, and plus, I mean, they probably will think about it in a sense where, you know, hey, if I help them out, they're going to help me out whenever I, you know, down the road free of charge, you know, um, that's something that really grabs me. Sometimes it's like, you know, Hey, you know, you want to help me out with this, this little project, you know, we're both photographers. And, and then the first bomb that they drop is like, Oh yeah, you know, I charge 45 an hour or I charge a hundred dollars for a session. It's ridiculous, but you know, be that better photographer. You know, if you run across a good photographer, treat them well, you know, buy them a cup of coffee. We all, all of all us photographers, we run off a cup of coffee, um, sit us down, talk to us, ask us questions, and you never know. One day you're going to ask us, we're going to say yes, and then, you know, you're going to be in that position and we're going to be like, you know what? Hey, I'll help you out. That's when things start to get really cool. Number seven, be ready for tons of critiques. It's brutal, but you'll survive. Critiques will help you grow. Uh... Even if they are horribly, you know, uh, horrible critiques are just being rude and mean and they're trying to discourage you. Don't worry. You can get through it. You're strong. Um, you've built up your thick skin and uh, you'll survive. But just be ready for it. Social media is not going to be fun anymore until it becomes second nature. Uh, again, this is something that you are just going to have to learn on your own. Uh it's a business and you're just going to become a machine with it. And you're going to know that, you know, maybe the hours of six to nine are not your hours and your hours are more from nine to 12 or something like that. It's really a, a personal preference kind of thing. Just like being vegan is a personal preference or being a uh, meditarian is a personal preference. Uh, social media is a personal preference, but you'll get used to it. And then Vemadalin. Don't worry about it. It comes, it goes. I think that's just the the plight of an artist. You get you get stuck in these seasons of I'm not being creative enough, or you get stuck in the season where it's just like everything looks identical to the next picture that you've taken. We've all gone through it, and believe it or not, we've all prospered from it, and we've all been able to get out of that funk, and you know. Just continue doing your art and just know that nothing that you'll experience um, hasn't happened to one of us along the road. And I'm more than positive, at least in my case, I mean, being again, only have done this for like eight, nine years. I'm pretty sure there's a lot more craziness for me to um, to get into before I say I've seen it all. Um, you don't want to be out of practice for too long and then you don't want to be able to you don't want to book things and know that you're busy with everything else um so like for me in my case there's just zero ways for me to shoot monday through thursday unless it's some sort of like a, a like a weird wedding or maybe it's like engagement pictures or something then you know i have to do that there's money involved but, you know, if it's other things like, you know, quote unquote, my my fun stuff that I do, the stuff that I used for content for social media, um, there's just no way to do it during the week. You know, I am a family man. I, I, I have to be home. I want to be with my wife, with my dogs. I want to enjoy the time here at my house and just kind of kick it and chill. Um, so I have to prioritize what do I need to do. So weekends is usually when I shoot or I take advantage of when I'm off on break like I am now and I can schedule things on, on a Thursday night or on a Wednesday morning or, or whatever. So that part of your scheduling, please you just be real with yourself when it comes to your scheduling. Um, and then the longer the time between shoots, the faster you disappear to everybody else. That's just how social media works. Um, again, when it comes to social media, Maybe it doesn't work that way for everybody, but definitely it's it's been a flux for me. Sometimes if I don't shoot for like maybe two, three weeks, uh, my numbers go down, uh, my my click-throughs go down, the, the amount of likes that I get on a picture go down. Or if I don't have any shoots for a long time, sometimes I get like 
maybe five new friend requests uh, on, on Instagram, five new followers, or I'll get, instead of like 50, I'll get 60 uh, more likes on one image from a past shoot. Again, it's just strange. Social media is a an ever-growing, it's an ever, it's a living organism. Think of it like that. Social media is a living organism. You never know how it's gonna feel from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, or from one week to the next. So you just need to be able to gauge yourself. You want to be able to shoot. And for me, this is like the recipe for me that works. I try and have at least one to two shoots a week. And it's usually on Saturdays and it's usually in the morning. So that way I don't burn through an entire Saturday and I don't burn through their Saturday. If I can shoot them nice and early, boom, you have the rest of the day to go. And then that gives me the rest of the day to edit pictures and to to, uh, just enjoy the day. Uh, walk around, whatever, uh, whatever I need to do to relax and unwind from a productive, stressful week of work. But yeah, those are my 10 shower thoughts for people who want to get into uh, photography. Um, if you have any other further questions, please reach out to me, leave me a couple comments. Um, if you completely hated it, please leave me some comments as well. I'm sorry for my dogs. Uh, I guess something happened outside. But yeah, so this was my episode on shower thoughts for people who wanted to uh, get into photography. Hope it helped and I will see you on the next episode.